few announcements first. Audax Virtus, our youth discipleship program for grades 6 through 12, will kick off a new year of faith, fun, and formation in the virtues this week on September 20th. Our team has worked hard this summer to ensure that our youth will have an enriching and meaningful experience every Wednesday evening. I invite you to call the parish office for more information and to register your youth for the program. Again, as I noted, it begins this week, so it is well time uh, to make sure that we have those registrations in place. Please call the office right away uh, to have your youth registered for that youth program, Audax Virtus. Um, hopefully you received an email from the Archdiocese and then a follow-up one from me uh, asking your participation in a survey. That's the same survey in each of those emails, but I do need your participation, and I hope that you will agree to take time to do that. The survey needs to be completed no later than this Tuesday. The Oklahoma Parental Choice Tax Credit funding will make it possible to provide a quality Catholic education in more places in the Archdiocese. St. Monica Church is considering the possibility of a future school, but we need survey participation that will give us detailed and helpful data about interest and support for a school in the mission of Catholic education. Uh, so to be clear, even if you don't have a school-aged child, I need at least one member of each household to respond to that survey. The Archdiocese is paying the cost of this extensive survey to provide data that will guide the decisions about a future school here and in other places in the Archdiocese. The participation of each parish household will provide the parish significant information to help guide future decisions. So please look for the survey, make sure to respond before the deadline, which is this Tuesday. And just so that everyone understands, the survey is not intended just for school-aged uh, children, parents of school-aged children, it's not intended for people who think they would use a Catholic school if we had one. It's not even intended only for Catholics or only for parishioners. We're really seeking to get a good, solid amount of data about the Edmund community at large. And so uh, please do take the time to fill that out, even if you don't have a school-aged child or aren't sure you would even use a parish school. And further, take the step of encouraging friends of yours to respond to that and even sending them the link. If you know other Edmundites who are not parishioners here, are not even Catholic, go ahead and send it out to them. Again, we're seeking data that's going to help guide decisions about the interest and support level for a school in our community. The Three Hearts pilgrimage will take place October 12th through the 14th. The pilgrimage is a 35-mile hike to Clear Creek Monastery in eastern Oklahoma to give public witness and to offer reparation and prayer for attacks on the traditional family and the defense of the sanctity of life. The Three Hearts invokes the most sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of Mary, and the most chaste heart of St. Joseph. Once again, our parish will form a group to participate. You can see flyers in the narthex for a website where you can visit for more information and for registration. It does help to register for the pilgrimage right away before spaces run out. Uh, they do, in fact, run out. Uh, the interest in the pilgrimage has been growing over the past several years. We're anticipating about 2,000 people participating this year. And it represents, last year, represented 35 states across the nation, including New York and Alaska. So there's quite a wide interest. And if you're planning to go, it would behoove you uh, to register before the deadline, which is October 1st. This weekend, we are conducting the annual Catholic Charities Appeal, and I will speak about that after the homily, but if you're so inclined, you want to go ahead and see at the end of the pew, there are these blue brochures. Make sure you check the language it's in. We have some of them available there in English and some in Spanish, but if you might want to go ahead and pass those down to other adults in the pews to have those on hand so that at the end of the homily, I'll take a few moments to discuss this year's appeal process for Catholic Charities.
Last weekend's readings instructed us about the difficult work of confronting error and sin. This is a work that we are called to do and which we must do with the mind of Christ, with the approach of charity or love. And likewise, when we must face the need to repent, when it's we ourselves who are called to repent and change, we must not harden our hearts to that movement of God's grace, to the call of his voice. This weekend's readings continue that theme, reminding us that mercy and forgiveness should mark our Christian life. The lesson of the scriptures is a reminder to us that our faith stretches us and challenges us to live by higher standards than the secular world proposes, and in this case, the higher standard of being people who seek mercy and who are willing to give mercy and forgiveness. The readings today tell us that we cannot suffer any illusions about being Christian if we refuse to forgive and to show mercy to others. The first reading describes a way of being and acting that is not of God. Unfortunately, it also describes a way of being and acting for which Christians at times try to make excuses. But no such excuses exist in God. The first reading said, Wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. The vengeful will suffer the Lord's vengeance. Could anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord? Could anyone refuse mercy to another like himself? Can he seek pardon for his own sins? Even we who are believers make excuses for our behavior, and often while condemning the behavior of others. As God's word tells us, to the degree that we hug wrath and anger to ourselves, we are not living in God. To the degree that we nourish anger and refuse mercy, we are really preventing ourselves from experiencing the mercy we need from God if we are to be saved from a merciless hell of our own making. Jesus adopts this wisdom of the Old Testament and teaches that we must reflect God's mercy if we belong to God. The Lord's teaching also erodes any false notions that we can be true Christians while mercilessly harboring lack of civility, lack of charity, and anger toward another. Such behavior, the lesson of the scriptures is, tells us that it will not breed God's life in us, those behaviors. It will definitely breed something, but not God's life. It will breed, rather, death and eternal destruction. The Lord teaches this by showing us the wicked servant who refuses to forgive a fellow servant's debt, even though his own debt had just been wiped clean, and a rather large one at that. Jesus' teaching tells us that it cannot be this way in his kingdom, the church, because it cannot and will not be this way when his kingdom comes in its fullness in heaven. In the gospel, Peter thinks he's being generous by offering to forgive seven times. Jesus indicates his disciples must forgive 77 times. And the reference here is really not to the literal numbers. The scriptural use of the number seven is highlighting, and it's a way of indicating, a fullness or a completeness Jesus is saying that his disciples must extend God's mercy and forgiveness many times, 
even every time, in a whole and complete way. In our fallen nature, we want to say, surely there is some catch here, right? Surely there is some way around this, right? Not if one belongs to Christ. Jesus warns that we cannot and will not be forgiven if we are unwilling to forgive others. The Lord tells us clearly that we must be merciful as our Father is merciful. And St. Paul explains why this is so. He writes, as we heard in the second reading, none of us lives for oneself. If we live, we live for the Lord. We are the Lord's. In other words, we must be merciful as the Heavenly Father is merciful because we come from him and we are his possession. We have been given the Father's mercy at the price of the precious blood of his only Son, Jesus our Lord. But if we take that gift but hold on to wrath and anger, refusing to forgive others, then we make a mockery of the cost of the blood of Christ. We call cheap what is the most precious blood of Jesus. We must combat this tendency of our fallen nature to make excuses for anger, wrath, and vengeance. These excuses show we rule our lives by, by sin instead of by the grace of God. When we hug wrath and anger to ourselves, when we hold on to that, thinking we're teaching someone else a lesson, we actually are hugging dysfunction, unhappiness, and eternal death all the closer. It is a grand challenge to truly live as a Christian, aware of our own need to confess, to repent, and to experience God's mercy so that we can extend that mercy to others. In our time, Many Christians live day after day in grave sin, compounding evil upon themselves because they refuse to experience God's mercy in confession, or they rarely do so. People sometimes say they don't like confession, or they don't come because they're nervous about telling a priest their sins. And this may be partially true, but it may be more likely that people who stay away from confession perhaps recognize the hypocrisy in coming to the sacrament to expect forgiveness from God while they hold on to anger against others. Perhaps infrequent practice of confession in our time is actually a sign that we need to form our lives around today's readings, being willing to put away debts, the debts of others, so that we can get on with the critical work of having our own debts forgiven. We only have so much time, after all, to live according to God's word. And the first reading wisely and starkly reminded us of this. We heard in the first reading, remember your last days. Set enmity aside. Remember death and decay and cease from sin.
I'm going to take a few moments now to discuss the annual Catholic Charities Appeal, which is underway across the Archdiocese. Uh, this time of year, September, is a fairly common time of year in our parishes and actually other Christian denominations as well, where there's some focus given to stewardship. That is, the recognition, recognition that all the gifts we have come from God. They are gifts we receive and we're called to use for his greater glory and honor. And that, though, that stewardship of the Lord's gifts involves our giving of our time, giving of our talent and service, giving of even our treasure, our financial resources, uh, to support the works of the church, the proclamation of the gospel, the support of our parish, but also beyond the parish. We are part of the larger church, the works of the archdiocese and beyond. And so this weekend we're taking up the annual Catholic Charities Appeal. Uh, this large uh, blue brochure is the appeal information for this year. You'll find some information inside of that. And when you open it up, a pledge envelope at the bottom with a pledge slip that tears away from that. You can go ahead and have that in your hands. And it's a fairly self-explanatory process, but I'm going to say a few words about Catholic Charities uh, and then go over how to complete that pledge slip. I hope that you're aware of the good works that are accomplished by Catholic Charities in our archdiocese and around the different parts of the archdiocese. Uh, I'm going to highlight a few things that Catholic Charities does with the support that we provide. Most of what we do in Catholic Charities is offering assistance, uh, attention, service to the poor, those who are struggling, perhaps on a short-term basis or a long-term basis. Struggle could obviously be something like poverty, homelessness, illness. It could also be the struggles and sufferings that are kind of interior to a person uh, that are kind of causing their life to be unstable. And to address the various needs we find around us to be the very hands, the feet, the voice of Christ in our midst, Catholic Charities takes on things like refugee resettlement, uh, seeking to help with the placement of those who are coming from places where they cannot live uh, in a way that is free, in a way that is satisfactory. Uh, and Catholic Charities uh, is associated with and collaborates with the U.S. Department of State as well as the Oklahoma Department of Human Services to assist with the placement of people who come as refugees, the longer-term kind of social assistance that refugees need to kind of navigate the processes to find the ability to live freely here and to uh, know of the, uh, the uh, possibilities that are theirs once they've escaped wherever they are coming from. As I said a moment ago, struggles are not only, say, things like poverty or homelessness, but we might say interior things that cause our life to be unstable. And so there is St. Joseph Counseling that is operated by Catholic Charities. Uh, that St. Joseph Counseling Center offers short-term professional care and family strength counseling uh, to provide that kind of attention from a professional uh, for those who have that, that struggle, that there might be kind of uh, addressing of stresses, addressing of things that are dysfunctions in a person's life. Another great area of work in Catholic Charities has to do with adoption and pregnancy services. Uh, certainly women who might be for facing a difficult or challenging pregnancy. Maybe they've been abandoned by support structures and perhaps are more inclined uh, to listen to the, the voices of evil in our society that would have them uh, deal with that pregnancy in an unholy way. Well, Catholic Charities is there uh, to provide support and assistance, certainly to uh, provide assistance to the family uh, when there's a family involved, uh, to help with counseling uh, and getting people kind of stable and having the needs met that come along with a pregnancy and also adoption services. So if a person decides to release a child for adoption, Catholic Charities also assist with those kind of efforts 
uh, to seek placement in good families for children who will benefit uh, from that care of a mother and a father. Of course, certainly when we think of charitable work, charity towards the poor and the homeless uh, is a big part of what Catholic Charities does. One piece of note for our own Catholic Charities here in the Archdiocese is the Sanctuary Women's Development Center that helps provide homeless and low-income women and their children uh, resources to alleviate poverty, uh, giving them tools to overcome homelessness, uh, giving them resources uh, to seek uh, jobs, uh, better employment, counseling, even those kind of basic human needs that have to do with hygiene and care for oneself, shower and laundry facilities and the like. A number of family services are associated with that. Uh, and so providing transitional housing for families that are at risk of homelessness, uh, who are perhaps on a short-term basis dealing with stressors and lack of stability, uh, that they, those things can be addressed so that that cycle of poverty uh, is broken by the assistance of people like uh, the professionals at Catholic Charities. And one aspect of what Catholic Charities does is uh, maybe not as fancy, but it's called case management. And so a number of situations in people's lives really need long-term attention. Uh, and Catholic Charities is there to assist such people uh, to be actively engaged in case management to help people kind of keep on track uh, to be in a more stable position in life. And then finally, I don't think we've needed this recently, but certainly there are times when natural disasters occur or other disasters along with other agencies. Catholic Charities is there uh, to address those needs that are immediate when someone has lost so much due to a disaster, but also the longer term when there's so much uh, instability for such an extended period of time when something like a home has been lost or someone suffering injury due to natural disaster. These and in other areas of service are accomplished by Catholic Charities and so uh, the appeal process is an opportunity for us throughout the Archdiocese to support that work. I'll say a few words now about the pledge brochure and the pledge slip that tears away from that. It's fairly self-explanatory, but if you take a look at it, you'll see that on that pledge slip, there's on one side the ability to indicate what your pledge gift will be for this year and you can indicate how you would plan to pay that off. It could be a one-time gift or an ongoing monthly gift, and you can indicate the number of your gift by checking one of those boxes. Underneath that is your contact information. It is helpful if you would please fill that out. So your name, your address, phone number, email address. Uh, you'll notice in the very bottom right-hand side, there is a line that says parish. It is helpful if you would write St. Monica there. That's the only way we can really track how we're doing as a parish toward our target goal uh, towards Catholic Charities. When you write the parish name down there, that helps us know where we are in our target area. And then on the other side of that pledge slip would be methods of payment for the pledge. Option one is the credit card option, which requires some information to be completed, as you can see there. Option two is electronic, electronic fund transfer. That option will require a voided check be included along with the pledge slip in the envelope. Option three is paying by cash or check, which is also certainly valuable. And option four would be going online to make a gift online, as many of you certainly prefer to do. You can see the address there, give to cc.org, option four. So I invite you to take these brochures and be aware of the opportunity to participate in this year's appeal. Uh, if you are not prepared today uh, to make your pledge, then please just go ahead and take one of these home with you. Uh, prayerfully consider how you'll participate with the pledge this year. Complete that process at home by filling out the pledge slip, returning the envelope to the collection baskets next weekend. 
or placing a, a stamp on the envelope, mailing it directly to Catholic Charities is fine too. Or as I mentioned, some of you prefer to go online for the ease of that, and you can do that from your computer at home. Certainly want to thank those who have already made a gift to the appeal in the advanced donor phase. And a thank you to those of you who do give to Catholic Charities and assist us with this appeal effort and the good works that are done throughout the Archdiocese in our name by Catholic Charities.